I hope you know why you're here today. I hope you know what Easter's all about. It's not about a male rabbit that lays eggs. It's about a resurrected Savior, right? He's alive. If you're a guest today, we welcome you. We are so honored to have you. We welcome those that join us on the internet. Here at Sagemont, we just enjoy Jesus. Singing, we sing about him, we talk about him, we preach about him, we teach about him. And we want to be like him. We want to go to the othermost part of the world and tell the world that Jesus loves you. This we know because the Bible tells us so. And whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. And whoever comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out, Jesus said. So you're at the right place at the right time. And I know that as you gather here today, there's a lot of activities. There's a lot of things on your mind. There's a lot of things that are planned for the afternoon. And uh, Jesus might come today. I've always thought if I was the Lord, I'd consider every Easter as being a possibility. Of the, of the trumpet blowing and the dead in Christ arise first and then those of us which are alive and remain shall be called up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We've, we're here before daylight today, over 1,200 of you at the cross. You went by the tomb and by the way, if you are a guest today, we have a large campus but don't go away until, I know you've seen the cross, you couldn't get in here without seeing the cross. But don't forget, or let me inform you, that right outside this building is the empty tomb. We want those that see the cross to know that was Friday, but the tomb is empty on Sunday morning. Jesus has risen like he said. And we're going to continue our worship today as I have the privilege to open the Bible with you and to share with you some things that God has laid on my heart that I want to pass on to you. You know, when, you, when God does something good in your life, you want to pass it on. You know, if you're a believer, you want to lead others to become believers because you know what it means to be born again, to have a brand new life, to get a fresh start, and old things are forgotten and forgiven. But there's some interesting things you come across when you're studying to teach an Easter lesson or maybe preach a message that relates to Easter. I do want to say before I go any further that we at Sagemont preach on this quite often, not just on Easter. I'm amazed at how many churches, if you went to them and they were preaching on the resurrection and it was June, you would think the pastor had gotten so senile he can't even remember when Easter is anymore. But every day is Easter if you know the Lord. And he's alive. He is risen. Don't ever forget that. And according to the research of George Barna, who is a very reputable and respected surveyor through the years gone by, 64% of unchurched adults, unchurched adults, who claim to be Christians, and 77% of non-Christians assert that Jesus died, rose from a grave, and exists in heaven today. And it's coming again. Now, here's my question. Where are they? They're certainly not at church, even on Easter. But where are they? The Bible says in a moment when we think not the Son of Man is going to come. In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, a trumpet will blow and the dead in Christ will rise. 
and then we'll go to be with the Lord. Why is it that we have not told every person on the planet, Jesus loves you? This we know because the Bible tells us so. In John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, the scripture says Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. None of us lived when Jesus was walking upon this earth. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can know him today. We can experience him today. We can go out of here, and if we are grieving, we can be comforted. If we are confused, we can find answers. If we are angry, we can be still and know that he's God, and we can be calm in the midst of the storm. We can today have power over sin. We can today stand against the evil one. We can move forward under the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have to understand who he is. Why did he come to this earth? Why did God send his son to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to be nailed to a cross when he could have called 10,000 angels to wipe out the Roman Empire, but he died in order that God's plan for salvation could continue. And as he died on that Friday and was buried, on the following Sunday morning when they went out to visit the grave, and many of you will do that today of your loved ones, but he is risen. He is not there. He's risen like he said. I asked you the question, who is Jesus this morning? Who is this one? In Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elias. And others, Jeremiah's, are one of the prophets. But look at the verse 16 of the 16th chapter of Matthew. Simon Peter, you remember him? A lot of us can identify with him. He was a character. And he answered, and here's what he said. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to Peter, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father, which is in heaven. You know what God wants us to know when we go out of here? That his son is the savior. That his son is without sin. His son has paid the price. And we are heirs, the Bible says, according to that promise. That God has said, I will come and live in the hearts of any who will invite me to come in. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and the way of the cross, we can come home and live with God forever. Here's what Jesus said. John 14, verse 6. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. You can't make it any clearer than that. Jesus is the way of eternal life. I want you to take a little journey with me real quick. I know that this is not something you'd want to do on your vacation, so let me sum it up. We're going to take a 
tour of the graveyards around the world. I want to take us to the graves of a few of the most powerful religious leaders that ever lived on the planet. I want you to note something common about all of them, save one. Let's first go to the grave of Buddha. Buddha was born in 563 B.C. and he died in 485 B.C. He is dead. Confucius, he was born in 551 B.C. He died in 479 B.C. at the age of 72. Mohammed, who penned the Koran, one billion followers today, was born in 571 and died in 632 A.D. Mary Baker Eddy, and if you study her life, she had many more last names. The Christian Sciences, they have less than 30,000 followers today, but she was born in 1821, she died in 1910. Joseph Smith, Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, better known as Mormons. Joseph Smith was born in 1805, and if we go to his grave, you'll see he died in 1844 at the age of 39. We can go over and see the grave of Charles Taze Russell. He founded what's known as the Jehovah Witnesses. They have probably come and knocked on your door. But the leader is dead. Born in 1852 and died in 1916 at the age of 64. And one more, Ron Hubbard. Scientology. Scientology. Got to be cool to be in Scientology if you watch TV and keep up with the news and all the movie stars and all that kind of stuff. Well, Ron was born in 1911. He died in 1986. But if you had time, I've made the trip twice. Some of you made it more than that. But I want you, if you'll bear witness, to raise your hand in just a moment. But if you've ever gone to Jerusalem and gone outside the Eastern Gate, you'll go to the place called the Garden Tomb. When you go to the Garden Tomb, they let you go inside the tomb. And the thing that I found was he wasn't there. How many of you have been there and give testimony in this audience that you've been there? Jesus is risen from the grave. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we're different. We're not another religion. We're a way of life. Jesus is alive. And you know what? Don't feel scared. He loves you anyway. Amen. He knows not only the sins that you and I have committed, he's known what we've thought about committing. And he loves us anyway. But you know what? He wants to set us free. He wants to get us out of that trap that most people are in. Amen. And to live with him and for him. Now and forevermore. Well, what makes Jesus so different? First of all, I've just given you, he's alive. The only one, he is alive. Amen. Number two, he is fully divine, Jesus is, and he is fully human. He is both. None others can claim that. <clears throat> Number three, Jesus was unique in the fulfillment of over 300 specific prophecies. 300 prophecies of the Old Testament fulfilled exactly like they were prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before. Only Jesus can claim that. Jesus differs from others in his miracles. His miracles. 
He could change water into wine. He could raise the dead. He could heal the sick. He could walk on water. All of these things have been documented in many ways as I'll get to in just a moment. John 21, 25 says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did. The which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. We have 300 written, and the scripture says it takes the, all the libraries to put in it. And you know what? If you're a born-again believer, we're a miracle. I'm a miracle. I once was lost, now I'm found. I used to walk in darkness, now I walk in the light. I was born with original sin. My parents spent no time in teaching me to be bad. Some of you laugh like yours did, but I know better. <laughs> Jesus could walk on water. Jesus could calm a storm, even a Harvey. He can also use a Harvey and let it come in and bring people to Christ. And this church has seen hundreds of them. Jesus is in charge. God is King of kings and he's Lord of lords. Jesus was different in his teachings. He wasn't like world leaders that, that many... Uh, react to what's going on in the world. Jesus teaches us to love one another, not kill one another. Je Jesus taught us to give. That it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's different. The others didn't do that. He spoke with authority, whether he spoke in poetry, parables, or prophecies. He was a storyteller, but he would illustrate those stories with real life events. And today, more than two billion people follow him. <clears throat> I want to take you to the scripture as we're talk, talking about being raised in newness of life. You can follow it on the board here. It's from the sixth chapter of Romans, verses 1 through 11. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. These are the words of the Holy Scriptures. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? that grace may abound, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live in sin any longer? Know you not that so many of, of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? And when we baptize, here's what we're thinking about. Here's the scripture. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should we walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe also that we're going to live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But because he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that difficult for you to understand? I don't think so. The scripture is so clear. It is beautiful, profound, 
but powerful. And it is truth. It is truth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you also have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. And after that he was seen of five hundred brothers at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And after that he was seen of James, and of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Who's talking? The apostle Paul. Who was he? A brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man that hated God and was an executioner of Christians. That man wrote under the power of the Holy Spirit that incredible testimony. And God let him write much of the New Testament under the penmanship of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of God we serve. You say, well, I'm a bad dude. You don't come close. You don't come close to some of the characters in the Bible that God changed their life. And you know what? The good thing is he not only forgives, he forgets. That's our problem. I can forgive you, but I can't forget. If you hit me, I can forgive you, but if I get close to you, I'm going to be more careful. So you can be assured I'm not God. I'm just like you. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ, listen, is the citadel of the Christian faith. The cross had its purpose. And for three days, we talk about that. But ladies and gentlemen, the thing that's different is our God is alive. Our God is risen from the grave. Our God is ready to make intercession and fight for, against Satan, any of his children. That's who we're here to worship today. We are not here to go through religious motions. We're not here to do what I've always done since I was a little child on Easter. We are here to worship a resurrected, soon-coming Savior. Our past, our present, and our future will be affected and is affected by the truth that we talk about today. If Jesus did not rise from the grave, there is no hope. And if Jesus did not rise from the grave, it makes God a liar, and he's not a liar. He's the truth. Let us take seriously why we gather in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Wow. God help us to get set free today. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we knew when we get to heaven that we all gathered in Houston today, and people tuned in from all over the world, live on the Internet, and we just kind of got into some scriptures, and there wasn't any profound sermon, but there was some very clear scriptures that if we just confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he can get us out of darkness and, 
and out of the sinking sand and put us on a solid rock and we can walk in the light as he's in the light. And we can have fellowship one with another and we can have a major impact on our world where there's still over 2,800 people groups in the world that have never heard the name Jesus one time. This church is committed to being a part of seeing that they do here. We join with other churches. We have groups that go away from this church continually. We support a mission organization called the International Mission Board that gets the gospel out to the entire world. And we support missions in Houston, in Texas, in the United States, and the uttermost part of the world for one thing, and that's to get the word to a lost and a dying humanity that Jesus loves you and Jesus has a plan for your life. And he wants you, he wants you to come into his family. He wants to adopt you and all that's in the heavens and all that's in the earth is his. You say, I came out of a poor home. You can be born again into the one that owns a cattle on a thousand hills and all the hills they graze on. God is not impressed with the King Ranch, fellow Texans. He owns it all. He owns it all. He didn't impress by a movie star that owns some land in Hawaii. He owns a whole island. He's Lord. He's Lord. That's why we're here. For the not yet convinced, and those of you that like to study intently, and, and I think it's good that you do because God will, and Jesus will stand the close-up test. He does not fear your research. But I wanted to move out for just a moment. And I want to quote two men, two of the most respected men, not Christians, but men that are recognized for their knowledge of what's going on. One of them is Thomas Arnold. He was appointed to chair of modern history at Oxford University. And he is author of three volumes on the history of Rome. Look on the screen. You'll see his quote. I have been used, he said, for many years to study the histories of our times and to examine and weigh the evidence of those who have written about them. Listen, and I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer that the great sign which God has given us that Christ died and rose again from the dead. He said it doesn't get any better than that. There's nothing you could say that'd be more truthful. Let me give you one more. William Lyon Phelps, Yale University, distinguished professor of English literature for 40 years, author of 20 volumes of literary studies and a public orator for Yale in his life. Are you ready? In the whole story of Jesus Christ, the most important event is the resurrection. The Christian faith depends on this. It is encouraged to know, he says, that it is explicitly given to all four evangelists, talking about the scripture, and also by Paul. The names of those who saw him after his triumph over death are recorded, and it may be said that the historical evidence for the resurrection is stronger than for any other miracle anywhere narrated. Now again, that's not Christianity stuff. That's not preacher talk. That's scholarship and historians that have checked the data. Three days. This is my favorite one. 
Three days before the resurrection, an old soldier, an executioner, a centurion, stood by the cross. Mark 15, 39. And he cried out. And here's what he said. Truly, this man is the son of God. Would he have any reputation of knowing what he's talking about? He saw something. You know what? He heard him say, Father, he heard Jesus say about his executioners, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's why we're here today. We're celebrating Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Not might be saved, could be saved, but we must be saved. You know, it's comforting when you know that God loves you like you are. That Romans 6, 1, what are we going to say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's foolish talk. But what we know is that God makes a difference in a life. Boy, if we had a lot of time and we'd bring in the groceries, there's hundreds of people in this room right now that are miracles. I mean big miracles. I won't even tell you about any one of them, but I know a bunch of them. And you know what? God never turned down anybody that comes to him and says, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and his blood is sufficient for you. He will be the judge when we stand in eternity. He will be the judge. Jesus will be the judge. And the question will be, what did you do with the sacrifice, the blood? What did you do? I made it possible for you. I paid it all. Right? This week we're talking about the lottery. Somebody won 500 million or whatever. You know what? Everybody else had bought a ticket lost. <laughs> you don't see that on the news, do you? And everybody thinks they're the only ones going to go to heaven and never get saved. You're not going to heaven, my friend, if you don't come by the way of the cross, if Jesus is telling the truth. God would not have ever let Jesus die, nor would he lay down his life if there had been any other name given among men whereby we must be saved. So for us to float through Easter and say, well, another time, we had fun, the food was good, didn't find as many eggs as I used to. I'm glad I got old enough, I had my own eggs. It's just as challenging <laughs> as it used to be. But I tell you what, I know that I know that I know that by grace am I saved through faith and that not of myself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. And every time I stand to preach, my thought is, if there's somebody here that doesn't think God loves them. I hope some way the music today, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that did what? Saved wretches like us. That's what it's about. You don't earn your way to heaven. You don't have time to start over. But by grace are we saved through faith. That's the message of the resurrection. That's the message of Easter. It makes a difference. Religion is not the answer, but Jesus is. Romans 6 14 says for sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under the law now you're under
grace. We can all have a brand new life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So my question for you this morning as I close, are you walking in darkness or are you walking in the light? Do you know that you know that if you died today that you'd be absent from the body but you'd be present with the Lord? Do you know today that there's not one sin that God will not forgive except the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what's telling you you need to get saved. And if you blaspheme that, you shut the door to the only way because the Holy Spirit takes us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, when he fills a place, there's a peace that passes all understanding. That's the reason we pray on Sunday morning before our services start, before most of you get here. We pray and invite the Lord to come here today. If God's not in this place, we have wasted this hour. But if he is in this place, and he is, we could see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? Because God loves everybody. Everybody. You know John 3.16 said with me, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now hold that. Hold it right there. We're going to go a little bit further so your help is on the screen here. Are you ready? Let's go to John 3.17. Read it with me. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Woo! My, my, my. He's alive and willing. He is alive and ready. He is alive. He is alive like he said he would raise, be raised from the grave. But let me remind you of one final thought. The same Jesus has said, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go to heaven, prepare a place for you, I'm coming again. To receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. If you go to the grave today of a loved one that died in Jesus, that's the earth suit. But they're absent from the body and present with the Lord. And one day, like when the bagpipes came down the aisle a while ago, we were singing about grace. God loves music. He does. He loves, well, some music he loves. I couldn't help as I heard those bagpipes play in Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I know who's playing those bagpipes, and he's one of the finest young men I've ever met, but his life is an absolute miracle of what God did in his life. And I've seen him walk away from the grave playing Amazing Grace. Tears in all of our eyes because death separates, but it's temporary. He's going to have to get another job, though, when the Lord comes back or learn to play the trumpet. Because <laughs> I am biblically convinced that the trumpet's going to sound 
and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And those of us that are alive and remain will go to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? No one looking around. Why are you here today? Why are you watching on the Internet? Why? What does this day hold for you? Right at this moment, you may have just came into town, out of town, and your kinfolk, we're so glad to have you. But you thought, I didn't know I was going to go to church. I don't go to church, but I found out the family does, and so here I am. I can't wait for you to get through talking, preacher, so we can go home and eat. It doesn't matter why you came. It's what are you going to go away with. But what if God would just change your life today? What if your doctor, the number one doctor, would be the great physician? What if you today could know that you know that if you don't make it till tomorrow, that you're going to be with the Lord? As he rose, you're going to rise. That loved one, that body is in that grave. One day, the grave will open because, you see, there's more to the story. Jesus said, I'll go to a cross. I will die for the sins of all. I will be buried, but on the third day, I will rise. And then 40 days later, he went to heaven, and he says, but I'm going to come back. And I'm going to come back and claim my own. And where I am, there you can be also. Now, who? will come and go with me for I'm bound for the promised land. Yeah. Our heads are bowed. Would you just answer this question privately where you're sitting? Do you know that you know that Jesus is alive in your life? Do you know if you were to die today that when you drew your last breath here you would have your first breath in eternity? Would you today think about it? What if? None of us know what another day will bring. If you're here right now and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not a religious person. I do the best I can. I've had some hard things happen in my life. I've had some experiences I wished I wouldn't have had. But if I hear you right, preacher, you're saying that Jesus' blood will take care of that. That's exactly right. It will. So why don't you just, at this moment, pray this simple prayer with me. Dear God, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Dear God, I am living, confused, frustrated. It seems like every business decision, every marital decision, every dating decision, everything I do, or entertainment and everything else, would indicate that I don't ever plan to spend eternity with you. But I'm empty and in need. Dear God, would you come right now? I believe that you're the Father. I believe you sent the Son, Jesus. I believe he died for my sin. And in the best way I know how, I'm asking him to come into my heart. Forgive me my sin. Give me victory over the devil in this life. And take me to heaven when I die. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.